Welcome to the Harrington Star FinTech Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Discussions. I want to showcase people across our industry who are advocates for change. I love to celebrate the wins, but we know there is so much more to be done to ensure that change actually happens to build a truly inclusive industry. In these diversity, equity and inclusion discussions, I have a number of series. The Humans of FinTech, The Talent Surgery, The Maternity and Paternity Stories, and the longest running of all, the Women of FinTech podcast series. I do lots of work to drive change campaigns across our industry to increase inclusion within the workplace. So please contact me to see how we can partner together. You can contact me through LinkedIn or on my email, nadia.edwards-dashti at harringtonstar.com. In the meantime, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Recruitment Roundup with Toby and Nadia of Harrington Star. This is our one podcast a week where we talk about us and our passion for great recruitment. Five days a week, we love to shine a light on the individuals making waves in the world of fintech. And on a Sunday, we bring you our Recruitment Roundup. The theme of this week is all around people, your current people, your future people, and the experience that a candidate has when thinking about joining your business. So we are going to cover quite a lot with this because when we talk about people, it can be in lots of different perspectives and many different contexts. But as we do talk through today, we're going to be thinking about what your current staff wants. We're going to be thinking about how you talk about your business in interviews. And we're going to be talking about how you can attract more people to your growing business, especially within this marketplace. So to open things up, Toby, tell us about what you've been doing this week on your FinTech Focus interviews. Thank you, Nadia. So yeah, look, a bit, another busy week on FinTech Focus TV. We've got a lot coming out and some brilliant episodes that I'm really excited to share with everyone. This week's recordings were with LMAX, one of the very first companies that we ever worked with when they launched back in 2010. Been an incredible journey and, and their sort of innovative view of the world and their ability to sort of move into the digital space and, and be one of the largest exchanges in the world for crypto is, is absolutely fascinating. And we looked at the technology uh, background to that and the people aspect to that, which was a really interesting conversation. Revisited to Bryce uh, Spurnell from uh, Moorgate Benchmarks, one of my favorite companies, another business that's moving into the Series A game at the moment and doing some really interesting things with, with how they move further forward as well. Tobias is one of the most inspiring and entertaining people that I've that I had on the show. Absolutely great fun and just someone there who is so positive and I, and I always uh, enjoy talking to him. And then we looked, I spoke to David over at Ergo Consultancy about outsourcing trading and everything that's moving in that sort of space as well. Another very, very interesting area. Their uh, webinar is out next week as well. So three really interesting episodes. And then today at three o'clock, we're hosting a live webinar powered by Velox and Glue42 looking at platform modernization using low-code and desktop interoperability technologies. That's an area that I keep on coming back to over the course of the year. It's one of my pet subjects. Low-code's been one of the areas that's fascinated me for a long, long time. Desktop interop it just absolutely changes the game as far as I'm concerned. And it's, been, it's going to be really, really good fun talking to Steve Grob, Serena Rachura and John Butler about the ins and outs of everything that's happening in that marketplace. So really, really looking forward to that one. It is live and direct, and then it will be available after a couple of weeks for everyone to be able to download, see and, and enjoy as well. So busy, busy, busy. What about you, Nadia? 
you've been so busy this week, Bab. It's great <laughs> to hear all of that. And I love the fact that you're doing more of these like live debates and conversations. And I know you've got this uh, summit coming up with the Recruitment Network as well. Tell us about that. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so next week, the Recruitment Network is a, is a brilliant group of individuals in the recruitment space, all who, of whom are, are very, very passionate about driving forward the, uh, the reputation and the, uh, the skills of the recruitment industry. It's run by a guy called James Osborne, by Gordon Stoddart, who, who are two people there who, who I think are fantastic, amazing backgrounds, but none more passionate about really driving and, and standardizing and improving the quality of recruitment in the space. So we are talking next week on Wednesday on a panel with you know, God knows how many people who are going to be tuning into it, really exploring the, uh, the future of work, looking at what the, all the opportunities are, if that's remote, if that's in the office, if that's a hybrid model, which is where my heart lies, but also really looking at, at what happens post-pandemic and what optimal way of working is to get the best out of everyone. And there's so many different aspects to that. And one which is sort of being replicated in all the conversations I know you're having and that I'm having. So it's not just a recruitment thing. It is an all people thing. And I think this is going to be one of the great challenges. There was a North Star webinar last week. Sorry, earlier this week that I sat in on as well, looking at culture with Mandy Flint, who's a cultural expert and Elspeth, her, her, uh, her co-founder. And really, again, looking at and we were starting to look at and explore the individualization of situations in this to make sure we're in a good position to really maximize what I think is going to be a really interesting next three to five years in the industry, in every industry, should I say, the yeah. economy. Yeah, in, in the entire economy, I completely agree. But I think what I love most about that is that the fintech-focused pods, they are going from strength to strength. I had a look yesterday with Alexandra at you know, what, our, what our listenership is like and what our downloads are like, and it's that is a beautiful graph moving in the upward direction. So it's brilliant to know that people are, are listening, people are learning, and people are coming back to us as well. Like I've been having so many great conversations with individuals and with businesses asking about, you know, what's next on the agenda. And there's always so much that me and you can talk about, which is great. And then um, brilliant to hear that you've had so many of those one-on-one fintech focused pods, but also now that you're involved in this debates and then you've got that summit in a couple of weeks as well like it's, it's really really good stuff and I think it's conversations that people should be listening to because they are so relevant right now and no one really knows that there's one correct answer to this and actually for me it is about people and this is why I wanted this week's theme to be people focused because everyone is different and we've got to celebrate those differences and you know the, the two pods that that I want to talk about this week. One is from the Chief Financial and Operating Officer at Divido, a lady called Neha Missile. And she's all about people first. And I absolutely loved the pod because like, she just shared so many powerful messages about how we authentically tackle inclusion from the perspectives that we've got to understand that everyone's different and that we have a responsibility to be listening to different people's journeys and different people's perspectives. But more importantly, the situation that different people are in. So she had a huge focus on returnships. And she feels that as this war on talent grows and grows, and we are reading it everywhere. It was the BBC this week, I think, decided to publish some information that uh, we are at an all-time low of school children wanting to go down the route of technology or what in my day was called ICT. You know, but we were at an all-time low there, so we're not blocking up our pipeline for future talent. And I think that when we look at what our job is and our responsibility to attract 
more people to the fintech space. I think it's very, very powerful when I speak to people like Neho, who says, let, let's help return ships. Let's help people who are at a stage in their life where they're ready to come back to work, whether that's because they've been on maternity, paternity, whether they've looked after older generations, but people who want to be working, let's allow them in and let's welcome them in with open arms and let's give them the support that's needed. And I thought that was incredibly poignant to hear, especially when you think about on the complete other extreme, You've got the Goldman Sachs CEO talking about 95-hour work weeks and saying it's great to have the feedback from that 12 cohort um, in the States, which I'll, I'll, come, I'll come on to later. The second part that I wanted to celebrate was the COO of Navora, Mel. Um, and Mel is absolutely fantastic. The way that she ran the podcast with me, and this is quote-unquote, was around the hows and whys of her career, not the what's and when's, which is quite interesting. So I know you do so many of these as well. And when you're talking to people, they often say, oh, let me tell you, you know, about my background, the career journey. And you hear about what they did and when they did it, rather mm. than how they did it and why they did it. And I think that mm. we love to talk about the hows and whys. And, and it's something that I really want to encourage more of. But her messages were, again, all around people, how you invest in people, how... Sim the simplicity of listening is so powerful and listening to what people want and reacting to that what I loved about her podcast is that she said it's all too familiar that people try and listen but then they they make excuses or they rebut immediately and I've, I've used I've used that word rebut a lot recently because actually it's not about rebutting or changing someone's mind sometimes that that's just the simplicity of listening understanding where someone's coming from and then coming up with the solutions is incredibly powerful for that person's experience. So this is all why I felt that this week we should be talking about people from mm. all the different perspectives, investing in them, looking at our current staff, ensuring that, that we are doing what our responsibility is, us as recruiters, but also us as people in people management positions. Our responsibility is to help everyone around us become the best that they can be and in whatever parameters that are needed. And for me, that is the key thing that we should all be thinking about at the moment when we are reading about Goldman Sachs' CEO and, and everything that he's saying. Look, that's one extreme. And do you know what? That will work for some people. Some people will yeah. absolutely love that. And there isn't anything wrong with that. But some people won't. And I think this is where I, I often think of Dr. Jonathan Ashong Lamptey. He runs... He runs an inclusion consultancy and he always says inclusion is about including everybody. That's people that have been used to privilege and the underprivileged. I think that's really important because whenever we're talking about getting the best out of everybody, I think it's very much on everyone's agenda to be talking about diversity and inclusion, but authentic diversity and inclusion means we're talking about everyone's opinion and therefore no one opinion's wrong. It's about understanding it yeah, yeah. and then, and then yeah. working to get the best out of it, which I think is yeah, a really powerful motivator for me this week. Because look, is, um, this is something that's been in, in my mind for, you know, for, for a long, long time now. Because you can look and I know that the Goldman Sachs CEO has been lampooned at various different stages because he's been pretty outspoken about some of the things he's been saying. But I listened to it and, and look, there's 20 years of my career that have been not far off what he's been talking about hours-wise. And I think I would put my journey down to that work ethic so i look at that and i think Do you know what i can understand it i can understand the fact of him wanting to get people back into the office i can understand where it goes that said i'm also aware my world isn't necessarily the world that's going to be right for 
95% of other people out there. What I love about the hybrid model, as we'll come on to, I'm sure, uh, later on and certainly next week, is that if I want to do that and be in, you know, be in the office and be pushing that sort of thing, and it's my advantage and that's my superpower, and that's how I get my edge, then I, nothing stops me doing that. But if other people are doing that and they play to their advantage, I can think of one or two people who've absolutely thrived from not having the distraction of being in, in an office, but could have done with probably a little bit more interaction at the same sort of stage with a hybrid model. That to me makes absolute sense as well. And when I look at you as a, for example, you know, who've completely re-engineered your, your way of work to a hugely successful, you know, successful level over the course of the last year with, uh, you know, with parenthood sort of coming, coming into it and you changing, you know, the way you work in maternity, that not dropping the ball has suited, you know, what you need to do and completely change the way that you're working and it, and it works for you and it's worked really, really, really well for it. So for me to say, right, Nadia can no, no longer be the person who's doing 17 hours a day in the office and all that sort of stuff doesn't mean that that's not, you know, going to get the, the very best out of you. In fact, I think it's probably got even better out of you from being, more adaptable to it so I'm, I find it very very interesting to say look this is you know this is not to me a a one-size-fits-all scenario this is you can be beholden to your culture and you can say that the culture is is an absolute hard-working dedicated prior out 95 hour week culture etc etc which is very much clearly what they're they're looking to achieve and what they've probably been famous for and it will attract people who want to go into that sort of area fine running your lane but I think it's got to be none of the snobbery from either side of it. There's an awful lot of evangelicalists who I speak to are saying, look, we've run, we've worked from home for years and it's absolutely perfect for us. It doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be perfect for every single individual or every single business. So work to it and work out what works and make work work for you and your people. Yeah, I, I love what you said there. And I think it's, it's really relevant just to share a little bit of my story there because I've been thinking about that quite a lot. And actually the pandemic, and the introduction of working from home, I feel that actually gave me, a, gave me confidence and freedom during my maternity leave to come back and, and start working part-time. So, you know, I'd never, ever, ever worked from home, as you know, and I was always the... Ever, ever? Ever, ever. Um, I was always the, the really long hours in the office, like pre- not that it was presenteeism because I was working and, I, and, and at the time I felt I was working hard looking back. I know there was so much opportunity that I could improve in terms of working smart, but I never would have thought that I could do the job working from home. And there's no reason for that whatsoever. So for me, when we went into lockdown this time last year, I was eight months pregnant. So I had a month worth of working from home and actually proving to myself how, how much I could get done. Um, I remember at the time I drew, drew upon what I'd learned during my master's. So when I did my master's, I only did four hours of actual classes a week. So you had to get really self-disciplined on what you're doing every day. And I had two dissertations to write and I had to study and study hard. And I was able to use that in my day-to-day self-discipline. Like when everyone was sort of, you know, going wild about, oh my God, I'm, I'm working next to my bed. Well, so was I. Um, I turned my bedside table into my office and, and I, I was able to like get myself productive really quickly. But without that, I don't think I'd have had the confidence at sort of week th- when Nina was week three to be able to say, I'm ready to record podcasts again. I'm ready to go and do my version of cold calling, which obviously isn't cold calling. It's a very different way of, of introducing myself to people. But 
I don't think I would have had the confidence to have done that if it wasn't for the pandemic and that month beforehand. Um, mm. and, and, I, and I often think how many women out there are on their maternity leave and we hear all the stories of how lonely it is and it, and it really is and how you lose yourself. And I find that the work that I did was, very, was really good for me. I, I haven't said this to you before and I'm saying it on a podcast, but I'm pretty sure I'd have had problems with anxiety and postnatal whatever if I wasn't working the way I was. And it really, really helps me. And I think that's, that's a really, a really eye-opening statement for me to make that it was really good for me. And not that the CEO of Goldman's would ever hear that, but like, like people like that, that just almost write off women when they're off on, maternity and you know they're never going to come back and that's it I think that's a terrible miscarriage of justice because you know for me this is this is this couldn't have worked better and I'm at my most productive I am so impactful with what I do I'm really proud of how efficient I've become and I think it is because of that I think look that's my very unique story but having said that there were so many people that really really struggled in that first month and we had to do a lot around mental health and supporting them I still think yeah. that's all really valid as well. And this is why the people topic is about the individual and the individual story. Yeah, because you know, it's, it's, it's not only that month. You know, this, is, this is a year on. We, we marked a year of the, the first lockdown in the UK. And it's extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary to me that that is a year that's gone you know, like that. Uh, I was talking to the whole team this morning, as you know, just sort of recognising the fact of the work that's gone into making that work for, you know, for everyone, the determination, the grit, the defiance of the market, the resilience, all of those sort of different things. And look, we said very, very early on that we wanted to make this a time that improved us rather than impacted us. So we used it for the advantage. And I, and I, I think it's very relevant that you said what you just said about you know, this being something there which has you know, allowed you to think in a different way. And, it, and it, look, it's allowed all of us to think in a completely different way. If you told me a year ago that we wouldn't have been back in 10 days as I thought it would initially be, um, you know, that people would be back in the office. And I was thinking, look, we can deal with Christmas. So, so this would be another period where we've got a couple of weeks out and you know, the market will stop up. But actually we'd be out of offices a year later and been through and all of our clients would be in exactly the same situation. I'd have had genuine, genuine concern as to the future of, you know, the, the, the business to go through a year with, with, with no trade. But as we've seen for the, today's numbers, you know, whilst April to, to August were extraordinarily difficult, September onwards has seen us uh, perform at per head levels that we've never done in the, in the uh, 11 year history of the business because people have adapted, people have, have worked towards a common goal, people have worked with each other and we've been able to accommodate and look at how people want to do things. Now, what I've, I've seen over the course of the last couple of weeks and months is people really wanting to get back to that clubhouse, that, you know, that, that sort of central HQ to have interactive time with each other, you know, to get back to working collaboratively, to have that sort of sense of social connectivity and all those different sorts of things. And we've just moved office last week and finalised that process and it's being done up. And in a couple of weeks, we'll open the doors up again for people who want to have that outlet to be able to do that. And we'll have, various areas in there that are about connectivity and connection and are about people being able to brainstorm and work together and sort out solutions and do some really cool stuff that allows people to play at their absolute best. And I think that's what everything comes into it. You, you know, you just mentioned about your journey. I'm delighted that this month we've seen the return of Sarah Bronson, Nay Philby, 
who's in her third incarnation with the company. She went out to the US and she left the business. She's now back in the UK. She's had a baby and uh, she's finding over the course of this month and the next month and however long it takes exactly what works for her to be able to sort of do that with, you know, with us and, and re-embark on her journey and story with it because she's the right person and she's great for our, you know, for our business. And so I'm really excited that these things can all work and we can look at different ways and different models and do things like that. And I think if, you know, if we look at the future of work and if we look at culture and we look at everything that's happening, you know, current today and, and, and tomorrow, I think you've got to have that thing that works for you, absolutely, that feels authentic to you, that gets people performing and is adaptable and is flexible. And if you can do that, as, you know, and, and this goes all the way back to conversations we were having with Dave Copland, you know, one of the great thinkers about you know, flexible working and a former guest on FinTech Focus TV. I think it's a fascinating, fascinating area. And I'm really, really excited about what that means and what it looks like. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think um, it's so relevant when we talk about the war on talent and the fact that if, if anyone was to listen back to probably, well, actually all of, our, all of these recruitment roundups, I'd say, there isn't one where me and you have not mentioned at least two or three companies that are going through a Series A or Series B funding and have huge growth yeah. brands within the space. Yeah. And that is, number one, incredible when we look at the, the, you know, the market that we're in. And look, it's great. And I love that, you know, the cold spring analogy of the economy. And I think that we're in such a privileged position to start seeing that happening already and companies with these huge plans of growth. But, you know, our business is about the how. How, how are we going to make that happen? And look, it's one, one thing of moving one technologist or one software salesperson from one fintech to another. But what me and you have dedicated the past year to, or much longer than that, actually, probably the past five years, is about attracting more people to this industry so that it isn't a war on talent and in, instead that there's a plethora of talent that people can be investing into and these people coming from lots of different different backgrounds and um, having different career journeys changing careers you know remember when I spoke for the Financial Times about getting people to retrain into coding and you know all the work I do with universities and and the amazing work we're going to be doing for the um, University of East London's a fintech MBA program, which would be a host yeah. of international students. Great, bringing people to the UK fintech scene. You know, these are the. This to me is what the you know the war on talent is is all about. And I think being so focused on people and what they want and understanding their background, I think will make a huge a huge difference to that. So what I wanted to really say to everyone listening to this is the kind of call to action around. How, how much of a hot topic this is from an inclusion point of view, because we are talking to so many fintechs at the moment and we're hearing lots of different stories. Some of them are very happy to keep the work from home. Others are saying that actually they're going to take that even further and it's not work from home um, as if you're in the office in the exact same hours, but they want to allow people to have full flexibility. So, you know, thinking about thinking about parents picking up kids from school getting the kids to bed and then starting their next day or completing today like these are the conversations that people are having but more around what works for somebody but when is when is someone at their best when is someone most able to focus on their work and produce their best getting rid of the stigma and the rigid sign in sign out 
Um, but at the same time, being recognizing the people that need the rigid sign in, sign out. Like me as an individual, I do need some sort of reporting system. So I often will report into myself at the end of any session, like, what have you done today? You know, because and I have a whole list of what I'm doing because that's what's important to me. Everyone is different. And I just think that all of these types of conversations, it's so important we're having them now because as the economy opens up, as we can all get back on the tube and the trains and get into work, it's so important that we don't just fall back into what we've always done, but really decide on why we're doing what we're doing. And I think this is, this is something that I've worked incredibly hard on to open people's minds to people potential rather than people experience. And I think this is very much interconnected with what we're talking about in terms of that future of work. And I know you've got a lot to say on this point as well, but it takes me on to how companies are speaking to their potential candidates when they are trying to bring them on board. And mm -hmm. this to me is so, so linked because it's not just about where will you be working and how will you be working? What times will you be working? Every company and their employee value proposition is so much so much more colorful than that. There's so many complexities to it. And my big, big call to action is we have all got to be working together to be able to express that in interviews and make sure that we're telling people exactly what, what companies can offer, the way the culture is, what the mission is, what the purpose is, what the values are. Me and you, we always talk about culture, mission, values, purpose. But what is happening when people are doing their online interviews, their virtual interviews, what's happening in their onboarding. These are things that I really want anyone listening to just to pause for a second and think, how do we do it in our company and who should I go and speak to, to really bring this to the fore? Because even though we're right, it feels like we're right at the last hurdle, we're about to be all face to face again. I think this is, this is actually the biggest time for really ensuring that all those great things about your company are communicated properly because as an agency, we are seeing so many people worrying and getting nervous. And once they've handed in their notice, ready to move to their next job, they think, oh God, have I made the right decision? Because who do they know best? They know their current boss best. They know their current people best. And we're essentially asking them to leave this secure network of comfort and safety and what they know to go into the, the dark hole of, I don't know what's about to happen. And we haven't mm. kept in touch with them. And when I say we, we as agencies do, but companies, we need to encourage that as much as possible. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so, so, so this takes me back to a conversation I had on BBC Radio 5 back in, uh, not that I like to talk about my TV and radio work, but um, <laughs> on BBC Radio 5 back in 2010. And it was, I hadn't even thought about this before, but it was about 2008 and how 2008 effectively broke the contract between employer and employee. And when 2008 came along and, you know, the natural uh, stress on, on every business there was to do you know, the right thing for the business and it had to cut back. It basically meant that the, the, the sort of loyalty that I think had long been established in businesses had to be broken. And so what happened there afterwards is people dropped loyalty to the business and really focused on loyalty to their career. So we've seen, you know, particularly in technology, one and a half year, 10 years has been becoming the norm in, in businesses. Far from average, particularly in high tech organizations, as people move and, and develop their careers at rapid velocity. So fast forward to 2020s issues on both social and economic impacts. And 
and you know companies having to you know to take necessary and deep action right at the start of the pandemic this time last year the issue that we now have is that people are sort of sat there and and there are very interesting dynamics between employer and employee because the one thing that the the company has in its in its back pocket this time out is to maintain the sort of culture of fear and what i mean by that is there is a lot of unknown and so anyone who's who wants to be fed a story saying look we're, we're far from out of this there's economic back you can spin a story to suggest that there is still very intrepid waters that people are about to walk through so anyone can say look you can look back a year ago and see mass redundancies you can still look at the, the, the numbers in the press today and it won't take an awful lot of uh, hard work to spin a story that says that there has never been a uh, higher unemployment and there's an economic time bomb you know with the furlough ending at, at some stage and all these different sorts of bits and pieces these are all stories that people can say to say, look, you are making it an idiotic move to move company at the moment and to move into a new company where you could be the first in, last out. And that classic sort of lazy conversation of first in, last out that people are talking about. Now, and we've had it where we've spoken to a number of different people who've spoken to friends, family, husbands, wives, whatever, whatever it might be. And the situation these guys are saying is that it's a you know there's never been a worse time to move job or to go into this 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 I couldn't disagree more. The worst time to move job was almost certainly this time last year, you know where there was that uncertainty. Right now we're about to I firmly firmly believe go into an economic cycle that is all about growth, particularly in financial technology and that sort of space. This is going to be a time where people are really looking to create great opportunities to have massive digital innovation as a technologist. Making that move at the moment is absolutely in your best interest. But as a hiring company, if you aren't really aware of making people feel really comfortable and they have someone who in their current company saying, you're crazy to make this move or friends and family saying you're crazy to move now, why are you looking to move? Be secure, ride it out a little bit further, take another six months. You're going to really struggle to get those good people on board. And it is difficult Look, we're taking people on and we've got to be really, really disciplined about how we onboard people because it's all new. Onboarding people is, is remotely isn't an easy thing because Where's the connectivity afterwards? How far, how hard do you have to work to do that? What's the experience of when they first come into the business? How do you get that connectivity between everyone when they first you know, come into the organization? So we're dealing with something which is, which is very, very alien, but at the same time, it's got massive opportunities to stand out, to do the right sort of things, to, to make people feel welcome, to really work hard on, on their onboarding, to make sure that they're there and they're set up to succeed to be really clear about every single set of expectations because there can be things as simple as, right, you know, people working from home need to set their own setup up rather than and work with their own kit rather than have kit delivered. Has that been communicated? You know, are people talking about you know, the expectations of which team they're joining and, and, uh, and who they're talking to and have they, those people you know, reached out to them? Has there been real clarity about what's expected of them over that period? Is the contract on point? All of these different sort of things are really, really important. They're making sure that people are absolutely embedded into the whole story, which I think is a, is a, is a very, very important people, thing to people to be thinking about because it is going to be the rise of the counteroffer. We've all been through this before. When companies are, are desperate for headcount and they see someone uh, moving, it's going to be an absolute auction for doing that because it costs so much to replace them. You know, someone moving on from your business needs a, a recruitment fee to, to replace them and lost time of then embedding and bringing people up. So, why wouldn't you throw a few thousand pounds at it? But the, the same problems always come back up. So you've got to be really clear as an employer about why 
that move is the right move for them and the right long-term move for them. Be really, really clear about what you can do for them and why they're joining that business. Yeah, completely agree. And then on the, on the flip side of that, I always say to anybody in a, in, in a position of, of management, it is your constant responsibility to be ensuring that the people within your business are tapping into, like, are they happy? Are they engaged? And, and actually following your gut, like if you think there's something up, then we've got to go and investigate that. Because whenever we help somebody go and hand in their notice, the questions, and this is from the minute we've said hello to them right at the beginning of the process, the questions always are, are you absolutely sure that you want to leave? Have you spoken to your boss about these problems? Because the worst thing for us is to have anything to do with anybody that um, hands in their notice, then decides to stay because that's never a good that's never a good thing you've already mm-hmm. said i want to leave you've actually gone out and actively found yourself another role so you're letting down a, a new company you've already let down your current company and now you're letting down yourself because you're staying you're staying in what you believe is comfort when it's actually quite dangerous and and that's never a situation that we want to be in so our process just to share with the audience is is absolutely intricate when it comes to are you sure even like after how many stage interview process they've got the offer even at that stage are you absolutely sure you want to hand in your notice can you not go back and fix things with your boss and i think that that's really really important for for bosses to be aware of that that everything is always easier fixed before the handing in of notice. And after that's happened, mm. there's a break, there's something that's happened. So, you know, and how many times is, have people in positions of management thought, oh, I wish I just checked in on that person a week ago. I knew I should have. And yeah, you, know, really you, know, you know me, Toby, I'm, I hate the what ifs and oh, I wish I'd done this. You know, so I think it's a, it's a call to action for all of us. Because as we said at the start of this, it's about people. So yes. what else is coming up? Um, I, I know you're probably gagging to talk about our magazine, so do tell uh, well, it, I, I am gagging to talk about <laughs> it, Ned, and, and, and I'm also gagging to talk about uh, Monday the 29th, because it's a, it's a double whammy for you. Monday the 29th sees the launch of the new Harrington Style website, which I am tremendously excited about. It's got a home for these podcasts, home for FinTech Focus TV, loads about insight and, and events and you know, the great work you're doing in the, the diversity and inclusion space. It's got all the jobs that we have, have as a business. It's got loads and loads of information about Harrington Star. It's got stories of our growth. It's got insight. And I'm hoping to bring a whole load of uh, exclusive press releases out every single day to people as they come through as well, information on that site. Links to our social feeds. It, it is a, a site I'm tremendously proud of. Scott and the marketing team have done a, a superb job in, in putting it all together alongside the web developers so monday the 29th get to harringtonstar.com and not only will you see the new brand spanking website but you will also see the release of the biggest ever issue of the financial technologies magazine announcing the most influential fintechs of 2021 with 60 articles for some of the most inspiring innovative and exciting companies in the world talking to you about what's coming up and some of the biggest trends in the financial technology space. You cannot miss that magazine. It is enormously exciting. So those are big week next week, a huge week for content. And then alongside that, we've also got lots of new things coming up as we lurch towards Easter. The team's expanded. We made two hires last week, which I'm very, very excited to bring into the team. That's thanks to our wonderful clients and candidates who've allowed us to expand all over the world. We are hiring both in America and the UK, 
and have some very important hires to be making over the course of the next couple of months as well. And, and I just love seeing the positivity and the uh, excellence of the team really shining through at the moment. So loads and loads of stuff that's, uh, that's going on. Nadia, what, what, what about you? I've, I've got to concur. And I want to just do a bit of a shout out to Scott and the marketing team. So yeah, absolutely. we have been so privileged to be able to have Sarah um, Connolly on board, um, Georgia uh, Richardson, no relation to Scott Richardson, um, mm-hmm. and Alexandra White. And I really want to just um, celebrate the four of them on what they've done on our, mag- on our magazines, uh, what they've done to support on the website. Uh, Sarah had me recording videos saying, explaining what is FinTech for TikTok this week, which was a new experience for me, which I thoroughly enjoyed. But I wanted just to celebrate exactly what they're doing because this to me is the epitome of diversity of, of thought. Like I don't know anything about TikTok. I don't, I don't know about reaching out in these, in these new ways and I need to, I need to learn. I feel like I've been put on a journey. And what I've really loved is my maternity and paternity podcast series is coming to its first uh, one year old. And so they've, they've reached out to me and said, well, we should, we should make something of that and remind people of these groundbreaking series that you recorded a year ago about people in the fintech community who've been on maternity or paternity leave, how it impacted their career, how it actually pushed their career forward. And, you know, it was real, really great therapy for me when I was recording them, you know, going into my journey. But one thing I, I learned very quickly was that there was nothing else like that out in the marketplace. Anyway, this, our wonderful marketing team have identified that immediately and said, we're going to do a whole campaign to reignite those podcasts. I'll be doing a roundtable with the people that I interviewed on those podcasts to say, we're a year on, what's the journey been like? How's the pandemic been for you? What can we say to the community of people that are thinking about um, embarking on on this family journey and what they can do to really use that to actually support their careers, dare I say, you know, and, um, and I think that, that just having fresh perspectives, fresh pairs of eyes has been really, really enlightening this week. So thank you to that team. Brilliant team. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, Nadia, it sounds like we've got an exciting week again ahead of us. Love chatting to you through everything. I think this future of work piece is, is, utterly scintillating at the moment and there's so many different things you know both of us in the industry for a long long time seeing various different curves and incarnations and i'm not sure there's been as interesting a period of change as, as this one that we're going through at the moment the ramifications and opportunities in it are enormous so carpe the dm and let's have a a fantastic week ahead thank you all for listening nadia and i appreciate it as does everyone at harrington star we are here as a business to primarily and and look our prime job is to help grow fantastic teams with great people and and, you know allow the best talent in the industry access and exposure to the best jobs and opportunities for their career that's what we love doing but we've always always wanted to bring as much insight as possible and really help people connect sense of community is really important to us and one of the ways we do that is to share this pod to create this pod to spread it as far and wide as possible and the best way of us being able to do that is you passing the pod on telling people about why you like it and the benefit that you're getting from it to give us insight as to what we can do better and how we can make it even better for you. And we've had some wonderful feedback over the years. and I'm really pleased to have been taking that and adapting and making sure we're giving you what you want. But if you can give us ratings and wherever you get your podcast, that really helps allow us to spread the word, to beat the drum and to keep on taking this podcast all around the world. And we're so thrilled 
I'm genuinely honoured to be able to do that. And thank you so much to everyone who's listening. We've loved it. We hope you have too. And we'll see you next week. It's a goodbye from me and it's a goodbye from Nadia. Thanks a lot. Bye. <laughs>